Hey, welcome everyone to episode 79 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and I just want to say thank you for checking us out. If you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us a ton, and we'll just keep bringing more videos for you. So this week, we're going to bring back a team that we've already spoken to a couple times and a new member from that team. Um, we're going to bring back the crew from Creaky Lantern Games. They published games such as Street Cleaner, the video game, and Eternum. Um, I want to welcome Brooks, Jesse, and Nate. How's everybody doing? Hey, good. Hello again. Yeah, it's good to have you guys back on. Thanks for jumping on. Um, I know we've been talking about this for a while, Brooks, kind of back and forth. I wanted to chat about this game and dive mm -hmm. a little bit more into what publishing indie games was like, I don't know, 10 years ago before Steam, where anybody could just drop their game at any point in time. So we'll just jump in. I'll just have you guys introduce yourselves um, and just let us know a little bit about you. And we'll just start from there. Okay, so yeah, I'm Brooks, the uh, lead developer, artist, programmer of Creaky Lantern Games. I'm Jesse. Uh, I'm a, a music audio dude, uh, amongst a few other things. I'm Nate. I am primarily responsible for lore, writing, uh and pretty much anything that has to do with uh words involving what we do i love the clean concise short little intros um i guess creaky lantern games uh like, let's just start there let's figure out kind of where you guys came from and how did you all meet all right so i i kind of started everything just uh growing up you know into video games at some point decided i'd like to give it a shot and make that my thing so the first time I really made a go of it was thinking about things back in like 2012. And at that point, uh, for some reason, I was super into shmups. <laughs> Even though that hadn't been my thing before, I got into it and decided I wanted to make, make a game. But I wanted to make something you know a little grander. At that point, it was like a Metroidvania. And I, I uh, decided... Well, that's kind of a big ambitious thing. So I'm going to pare it back and I'm just going to make a shmup. So I started working on that. And at that point, I met this other man, Jesse, here and told him, yeah, I'm working on games. And he said, yeah, I'd like to get into games. I'm a, music I'm a musician. So we got together and we started working on this project. And that's what turned into Eternum. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> I mean, I could, I could, the, at the, around the time that I know Brooks was working on Eternum, I was uh, basically doing Xbox Live indie game reviews. Um, so that's how I met Brooks and Jesse. Right. So we'll get into um, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, you can't, we can't get into Eternum properly without, understanding the the situation of of independent game development at that time in that steam at that point this was remember this was before anyone could get on steam at that point you had to have an in somehow you had to know someone that worked there or know someone that knew someone or you, they had just launched the green light program which was if you'll recall a program for submitting video games for a community vote to get Steam to notice you to allow your game on the platform. 
That so sounds like that a point, process. It, it was, yeah. And it, it's, it ended, it's just a popularity contest, right? So the whatever was most popular got the most attention and got the most votes and was let on the platform sooner. So I, when, we'll get there, but that's how I submitted to turn them onto Steam to begin with. But also at that time, there was this other little program that was starting up, which was, remember, this is back during the heyday of the, the Xbox 360. And Microsoft started this initiative that they called the Xbox Live Community Games. And Xbox Live Community Games was a thing for independent developers for a small fee of $100 a year for a, a membership. If you had an Xbox 360, you could sign up and you could make video games and you could self-publish them. Eventually, this became known as Xbox Live Indie Games, XBLIG. And that was where I started developing internal because I thought it would be fun to develop for a console because it was something you could easily do and, and self-publish and get a game on an Xbox. It was actually way easier than getting on Steam at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that seems really cool. Like, I didn't even... Back then, I wasn't really all that into the stuff, and I wasn't even really thinking about what it took to get a game on there. And I know I, I came across Casual Crashers, which I'm sure anybody mm -hmm. that loves indie games has probably given that game a play. Um, and that one I found on Xbox 360. It was just, you know, they showcased that game, and it was pretty cool. Um, so you told us a little bit about, like, kind of the process of getting it on there. Let's talk about where the game started, how you kind of all got into the game, and then we'll talk about like the process of moving it from your creation to the Xbox and compare that to like what it's like nowadays. So where did you guys first start at Thurnum? Like how did you start the game? Who came up with the idea and who did what? Yeah, I started it. So like I said, I was weirdly into shmups at that time. So I got into the Toho project and and uh, Death Smiles was a big one that I was really into. And that's why I decided I wanted to make a shmup. I think um, uh, earlier on, I, I know that the, one, of the, one of the earlier projects that I was working with Brooks on was that Metroidvania that he had mentioned earlier. And a neat thing that, that, I, I, that he had implemented was like the, the bullets, I guess you could say, as, as a platformer. It, it already kind of had a little bit of a, of a bullet hell vibe to it. And I think that would be like the, the, the proto Eternum or at least the genesis of, of what became Eternum out of there. Um, I still want to do that Metroidvania, but that'll, that'll be someday. <laughs> and so, so like you said, uh, XBLIG was the initial target that I wanted. And I was kind of working with another friend on on just a little side project of reviewing indie games on the platform. Cause you know, it, it's one of those situations where you can kind of be a big fish in a little pond with the XBLIG stuff where you could make a name for yourself in this little community of up and coming games and game developers. And so that's where I met Nate because he was running a competing site <laughs> and we got to talking. And so how was your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, I I honestly I think it's kind of important like I can't I I don't want to spend too much time on the on what Xbox Live Indie Games was necessarily yet but basically I think it's important to understand like what a like I don't want to say unregulated 
uh, can I swear on? <laughs> Go for it, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I wanted a kind of unregulated shit show. The, <laughs> the indie game scene was um, on Xbox Live, which was it, which was kind of great uh, in a way. But I mean, it was like sort of hidden away in the Xbox dashboard. So there's like the arc, Xbox Live Arcade, which most people know. And then there's sort of like the indie games and then you go in there and everything's a dollar or three dollars or whatever the Microsoft points, 80 points or whatever that was. But nobody was there really wasn't like any professional coverage of it. And just on a whim, I started this site and I found uh, Armless Octopus to uh, what was it? Two Fedoras, yeah. um, Xbox Live, indie, um, indie Gamer Chick started around the same time. Um, so, I mean, there was just sort of this open, uh, option to start talking about this thing that nobody was really talking about. And obviously because there weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of people, kind of everybody ended up knowing each other, talking to each other. Um, and we just sort of knew each other from doing reviews of these things because somebody's got to cover it. Right. Um, and when at Brooks and Jesse had already made some progress on that so i knew there was some music implemented at that point when he was like hey i'm working on this thing would you be interested in maybe doing a little bit of play testing um and i i don't remember exactly how the conversation started i remember the analogy i made uh which was which was something along the lines of i think you need some kind of story even if it's just something like uh like bet are you a bad enough dude to uh, what was it? Kidnap the president? No, kidnap the president. Save the president. You bad enough, dude, to kidnap the president. We that game now. Uh, yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, I'm totally for doing a bad dudes remake at some point. <laughs> the greatest video side. game story of all time. Yeah. So, so that is game, how I got on onto the project. Yeah, I mean, that's. Were you running your own like review website at that point in time? I think we well, we definitely both were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine, uh, Gearfish, which is actually just a total inside joke among me and a few of my friends that started it. That's that's um, how these things always start. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I I like the idea of like how you guys kind of all met within the community and then ended up building something. So it's just like this crazy uh, bullet hell storm, uh, shoot 'em up, uh, school based kind of thing yeah like um, a magical girl thing yeah yeah i'm i'm curious about the dialogue like i know that's what you focused on nate was primarily the dialogue jesse did the music brooks did a lot of the coding and the game and everything talk to me about like the character development because you said like this game is cool but it needs something else like where was your inspiration for that and what direction did you go kind of with the the way that they talk to each other so oh, okay good i was gonna say yeah brooke Brooks, honestly, like he had essentially like a lot of things that were unspoken in the background. Um, he had a, a concept for the for the world itself. Um, so it, in a way, honestly, that's more of a question for him because I could I could jump in for how I did the dialogue. But Brooks is probably the one to ask on the actual world creation. Um he, he essentially kicked the things off and then I took it and ran with it. Yeah, I, I started I started developing I had the, the main concept for the, the characters and the 
the universe and everything. And honestly, the goal was to kind of just like make a Toho like at that point. For people who haven't heard of the Toho project, it's a series of bullet hell shoot 'em ups developed by one man in Japan, uh, codenamed Zoon, under the <laughs> under the company name of Team Shanghai Alice. And he's been making these games for decades at this point. Like I think the first couple games are on PC ninety eight. And since then, they've become kind of a worldwide phenomenon. By, uh, probably one of the most popular shoot 'em up series in the world, and not just because they're really solid bullet hell games, but also because the characters that he's created for these things, who are like across the board just magical girls and demons and all this stuff, but um, people really latched onto the characters and the and the universe, and it became a huge thing for for like uh, fan art for comic books and eventually videos and fan games and all sorts of stuff. But uh, that's where I started, just kind of mimicking that, making a magical girl universe and setting a, setting it in more of a, a, um, a European boarding school situation. There's um, also the, 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 like, I know before that there was dialogue and, and much of a story, it was, there's like, it was the meeting of two totally different types of, of magic, I guess you could say. There's like the, the technological mech side, you know, uh, the cyber, you know, stuff. And then there's the pure magic stuff. And it's almost like a, a back and forth between the two, like the a colliding of two different types of, of magic and all that stuff. Yeah, the, the initial concept was actually kind of uh, based on Ikaruga which is, if you haven't heard, is also another shmup, a famous shmup by Treasure, that is, the main mechanic is you've got two different colors and you can flip which color that your ship is and whichever color you are, you will absorb bullets of that color. So it's a, a dance of flipping your color to get through patterns, absorb bullets and that kind of thing. So originally I was going to do a thing where it was magic versus science and you'd be flipping back and forth. But I've got this thing where I think like, okay, well, that's complicated. I'm just going to make it a little more simple so I can finish this project. But so that's where I, so yeah, I started, I made some characters and I started making the game and I had the setting. And at that point I'm like, well, I'm not a great writer. Uh, and it would be better if I could focus on art and programming what I'm doing. And I know Nate wants to be a writer or is a writer and wants to <laughs> get back into writing. So I, I hit him up with some concept art and stuff and you can take it from there. Yeah. And then. It, it was basically like there's honestly um we it was it was it was essentially hey here's kind of yeah what i'm trying to do let's let's put together uh essentially some kind of simple point a to point b story on this like hey it's a small project um and we i i don't remember i don't remember if you came up with macy guffin um but literally just joking about the idea of a, of a MacGuffin uh, to um, give a give the simplest uh, possible uh, motivation to get through the game. Hey, my best friend's missing. This is the game's MacGuffin. Her name is literally Macy Guffin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, a lot of just tongue-in-cheek writing of like, hey, you know, lines like, hey, I hope I don't have to fight everybody I meet, which, of course, you do. It's a video game. Um, that's how you get acquainted. That's how you, that's how you get introduced. <laughs> that's how you make friends. You fight. Yeah. 
it's the the basis of like every shonen anime it's just yeah, <laughs> you fight people and now you're best friends um and from there i mean it was it was essentially hey here's a character here's what the design is here's a here's sort of a a theme um and then the first i would say three stages uh or so were kind of set and then we we actually had a lot more fun i would say uh i don't want to say we had a lot more fun i don't know how i don't know uh, how much fun brooks had putting together the patterns and the game finale stuff but i got him to put in like a couple more things uh that were implemented off of uh ideas i i know that i had come up with um in the course of coming up with other stuff for the school so it ended up I like it's fun it's just a it's how you end up collaborating it's like hey I, here's an idea can you implement this no it's a massive pain in the ass all right let's do it anyway <laughs> You know, I, I, I like I like that you brought that up because I, I always kind of thought that, but I've never discussed it with you guys about how um, if you making a tournament was almost like a linear thing, like starting at the beginning and then building throughout the whole game. And I feel like the the last segments of the game are really where the game gets its stride, uh, both, you know, visually and thematically and, and all that. It, it's like it, it all just. You know, and I don't know if that's because that's when we were all like synchronizing and 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 all you know, we knew where each other stood and what our strengths were and working with that, or if uh, or if it's just because the game had been structured so well that by the time you get to that point, you know, you're like really like uh, uh, invested. But um, it was just a, a neat thing if you if you played a turnum like by the time you get to you know, uh, uh, the, the, the later end of the game, I'd say the later, the last third of it is where really everything just, you know, takes, you know, shape and, and especially with the, uh, the DLC, you know, which is just part of the game now, um, uh, is just when things really like kind of blew up. So. It was definitely a learning process. I, I learned a ton about actually, uh, getting through development of a game. Cause that, the tournament was the first one I actually finished. Of course, you know, as a, as a developer, you've always got projects that you've, you're working on and working on and working on. But the first one you finish is kind of special because it, it shows you can do it. You can actually ship something. And that's notable. Um, but yeah, it's like, so I learned so much along the way. We all learned so much together that by the time we hit the end, we'd, we'd kind of found out what everything was. Yeah, you finally hit that stride where you guys were all comfortable. The story was coming together and the mechanics all felt mm -hmm. good. Um, that's really interesting that you brought that up, Jesse. And I guess um, I've kind of asked Brooks and Nate kind of what their part in the, the game was. And I know that this was pre-Street Cleaner for you, Jesse. What was it? Was this the first game that you worked on audio for? And like, what, what was that like? Yeah, I've always been um, into video game music growing up. It's what I listened to. You know, I was the kid that plugged his tape recorder into the headphone jack of the Genesis and went through the BGM select and made my own mixtapes and stuff. And, and I've always wanted to do game music. So this was, you know, finally uh, a really good opportunity to, to sink my teeth into it and, and, and get in there. And I was ambitious to the point where um, I wanted, I didn't want any piece of music to be played twice, you know, like, um, like I, like, every boss fight had to have its own theme, you know, uh, versus uh, a lot of games where it's the same boss music, which later I found out there's a reason why you do that. Um, 
but, <laughs> uh, but you know, at the time, uh, it, it's what I did, but, uh, I actually, um, grew up, um, a couple miles away from where Brooks lived at the time. And so, uh, um, I was, uh, uh, it was, it was easy for me to actually go over to Brooks's and, uh, you know, be in the room with them and, and work with them. And, you know, uh, he, he set up a little desk for me. So in his office, we were, you know, back to back while, while I was working on music and he was working on, you know, what he was working on and, and just being able to riff and, and, uh, uh, you know, bounce stuff back and forth, you know, was a lot, made things happen a lot more organically and stuff. I mean, I could, I could try things in real time and get his feedback on it and, and vice versa, you know, and, and that was really, uh, really awesome. It's in as much as working online, you know, and working over, you know, a computer connection and stuff like that it is, you know, works, uh, being in person for some people, I, I know for me at least, you know, was, was a really neat boost to the creative process. Um, but yeah, uh, that's where street cleaner came from actually was, uh, was, uh, you know, Brooks and I talking about, you know, stuff and, and, and if I remember correctly, I had said that like, I wanted to write the soundtrack to a movie, but, uh, Brooks was like, well then, you know, then do it. And I was like, but I don't have a movie. And Brooks was like, well, do it anyways. So that's Street Cleaner was a one-off uh, for that. It was going to be just one movie called Street Cleaner. And that first album was the soundtrack to the movie. Um, and that that's where Street Cleaner came from was the uh, the Eternum Sessions. <laughs> and now it's turning into a tour and you've got a game and a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah, we, we got a game. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, just go ahead and mention that. That's the other thing that I was curious about is the difference. Like, what was the difference of, like, launching this game on Xbox Live Indie Games and then being able to, like, create Street Cleaner as your next project and drop that onto Steam and Switch? Like, is it easier now than it was before? Is it kind of the same headache it was before? What's what's your guys' notices and the differences? So XBLIG was, like, dead simple to get into. Like I said, all you had to do was pay 100 bucks for for the the subscription and own an Xbox 360 and you could get going with a game on the Xbox 360. And it was great for that. And uh, especially because along with XBLIG, Microsoft developed uh, a software system called XNA. Uh, so XNA is actually a, 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 a bundle of uh, game components for building video games that use C Sharp under, under Visual Studio. And it was all free. You could just go download it. And it was really a fantastic little way to get into developing video games. Because uh, one of the lead, one of the main developers of XNA was actually Sean Hargreaves, who previously was one of the main developers of a little uh, a a C++ game development engine or series of libraries called Allegro. So he was super famous for that and went on and put a lot of work into making XNA a really friendly platform for game development. So it's super easy to get into that. Uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> Transitioning into uh, Switch. Right. So, so yeah, so... <laughs> It was really easy to submit to XBLIG and 
really the only barrier was to just make sure that your game actually ran on it. Like it, because the, the actual process for releasing on XBLIG involved a peer review system. So in order to get your game actually uh, ready and complete for release, you had to submit it through a peer review process and get, I believe it was 10 OKs from other developers. So there was this whole ecosystem among the developers of, of getting your game into review and getting other people to review it so it could actually pass. And it could, it, it was an interesting process. But, and also unfortunately, because of the way the, it was so easy to pass, like your game, the your game basically just had to not crash and not have any profanity in it. <laughs> and you could get it on. <laughs> but that also meant that you had a lot of weird junk on XBLIG. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like the long how... list of ones where uh, you, you could buy a, this this game with all it does is just vibrate your controller for you. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good seller too. You could look at the charts on that one. Was... <laughs> yeah, there was a that that was that was kind of what I meant when I said uh, XBLIG had a a bit of a shit show. The peer review system was, I think, well intentioned but uh, imperfect, <laughs> to put it mildly. There was there was yeah. one I, I watched I watched Brooks Brooks used to live stream uh, on his old blog he would uh, uh, stream some of these games like he he would he would play some XBLIG games at random and and there was one there was like an edutainment game but it had one of the most sinister undertones to it like it was it was almost like a, a an AR thing like is this game trolling me right now like what's going on because yeah. it's the guise of a edutainment math type game but it had this whole eugenics undertone to it about like selective breeding and it was like this is this is not good this is <laughs> it was unintentional but but <laughs> it, <existed. laughs> it was pretty funny when i noticed it no the whole point of that game was this was by a little company called 1k soft i don't know if they're still doing stuff but you know it was just a little well-intentioned edutainment thing where this plane flew over and would drop guys out of the plane and they had numbers on him and it would show it would show a, a math problem on it, you know, three plus five or whatever. And you have to grab the guy that said eight. But it was like, well, he's the only one I'm letting live by grabbing him out of the air all to their death. But uh it, it was like the trolley, uh the trolley problem uh, version of the game. Like if you were to make that the the what's the you know the trolley problem thing where yeah, which we yeah, have that but gamified. <laughs> like I think we're onto something here, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're spitballing a new game. I think yeah. you, guys, you guys have your next project right here, right now. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be called. Uh, um... <laughs> no, I want <laughs> Anyway, so so on the other side of it though, XBLIG and XNA in particular are kind of instrumental. I think oh, got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. XBLIG and XNA are kind of instrumental in like uh, the the modern history and 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 trajectory of indie games. Because I, I made myself a little list of some of the people, some of the notable people from the XBLIG days. So, like, we've got uh, Ben Kane, who made a game called DLC Quest, which was a huge, made a huge splash because it really kind of lampooned the, the idea of DLC. Because this was the time that Horse Armor originated, if you'll remember Horse Armor as a joke. Horse Armor. Yeah, where I don't remember what game it was. but Oblivion. There was, 
Yeah. Yeah. Where they, the big thing that they sold was armor for your horse, and it became a huge laughing stock. But he made a game based on that, and Ben went on to be one of the founding developers of of uh, from a game jam of a game called Keep Talking Nobody Explodes, which you might recognize. So then we've also got uh, James Silva uh, as, under Ska Studios, who made a game with, called I Made a Game with Zombies in It. And the whole point of that was that he wrote this <laughs> stupid little song about it was a how he made a game with zombies in it. Yeah. It, and uh, uh, you can, I mean, if you look it up, you'll find the song. It's readily out there. And it's just a little uh, twin stick zombie shooter. And he went on to make a game called Dishwasher. And uh, eventually now what he's working on is the Salt and Sanctuary series, which people might recognize as a 2D kind of Soulsborne thing, which is hugely popular. Mm -hmm. um, got Ian Campbell, who was Boot Disc Revolution, who made uh, a series of games called Bleed 1 and 2, which are little kind of bullet time action matrixy platformer shooter things. And he went on to now he works at Drinkbox Studios and he worked on Guacamelee 2. And now I believe he's their lead developer or designer. So he's making good stuff. We've got uh, Z Boyd Games, Bill Steinberg and Robert Boyd, who yeah. G, made, uh, they wanted to get into RPG development, which is notoriously one of the worst things you can do as a starting <laughs> indie dev because RPGs are. They see. They seem so simple, but they are ridiculously complex and impossible to finish. But they wanted to do it, and they managed to do it, and made a little game called Cthulhu Saves the World, which is you play Cthulhu, and through some weird happenstance, you meet a bunch of characters and save the world. And they went on to kickstart a game called Cosmic Star Heroine, which is a fairly popular RPG, and they're continuing on their RPGs, so good on them. And XNA, I think, is also really important because it's so easy to get into that and so good as a game platform that people are still using it, even though it's totally defunct. Like, you can still download it, but Microsoft doesn't support it at all. Uh, you have to go through some hoops to, and or use, like, modern ports of it to, to really do stuff with it. But it gave a lot of people their start. And one in particular, Maddie Thorson, who originally made a little indie platformer called Ogmo and went on to make Towerfall, which didn't come out on XBLIG. Uh, that went to the uh, Ouya, which is all, that's a podcast on itself. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Maddie Thorson went on to uh, Helm Celeste, which is probably the most well-known out of everything that I've just talked about. <laughs> so it's, there's a huge pedigree, I think with XNA and, the people that it brought up and the community that it fostered and where things are now and where they're going. What are some uh, memorable games that memorable games that stick out for you, Nate? Uh, from Xbox Live Indie games? Yeah. Ah, boy. Um, honestly, the first game that the first game that made me want to uh, dive into the indie game scene at that point uh, was a game called Ophelion and Ophelion 2, um, which I are were basically one offs on the Xbox Live indie game marketplace, as far as I know. I've 
I periodically looked for them online just to see if I can find anything else. Um, so they're gone. <laughs> but uh, they were a couple of, I think, relatively ambitious RPGs for $3 on the indie games platform. Um, Escape Goat is another one that I think really deserves mention, um, which is available on Steam, by the way. There was oh, a, magical uh, time a there was a trilogy of twin stick shooters by I thought it was Mommy's Best Games. Um, I forget exactly what they were called, but they were only on um, XBLIG. Brooks, do you remember what I'm, what what game it was? Um, Are you it was thinking all... of, of Radiant Games? Yes, Radiant. Mommy's... Yes, I was yeah. gonna say Mommy's Best did shoot one up, right? Yeah, shoot one yeah. up and uh, Weapon of Choice, and moved on to actually did Serious Sam Double D. Which is an interesting <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. They they did uh explosion aid, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. That radiant okay. games and something else. Yeah. Okay. My bad. So yeah, that that those were 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 amazing. Like, um, because they were just you just jumped right into it, no narrative, like this fun. It was like almost like a um Super Smash. What was that? Smash TV, you know, but it gave you this way to like level up and then, you know, you get points and you can choose what you want, bombs, defense, you know, shoot faster, that kind of thing. And, and I was like, man, like I would easily pay $20 to buy this game. Like, you know, like, and it was just a, a buck, two bucks, three bucks on uh XBLIG. I believe they are on steam now too. You can get radiant games. <laughs> They're shooters. Yeah. You know, check it out. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's so many, it's honestly one of the saddest things to me that that sort of, uh, because they're for as much as we, I, I kind of touched on like what a shit show, um, the sort of completely open, um, not, not completely open, but obviously, um, the, the low barrier to entry, uh, created, uh, it was, it also opened the door for a lot of incredibly fun, very experimental, very interesting games that were genuine gems that um for whatever reason you know were hey this can't a, a handful of people just similar to what could have happened with Eternum, which is three guys come together they make something and then everybody just goes their separate ways and it never gets released anywhere else it never goes anywhere else uh it just sort of exists in this beautiful form briefly and then vanishes forever um, because as far as I know, there's not really any uh, archive for a lot of this stuff. So it's, it's basically just if the developers didn't release it and no one has it saved. Um, oh, well, I hope you were there to see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how would and you I... even access that anymore? Like if you still had the Xbox and you potentially had the game downloaded, would you even be able to play it now? You actually can. Yes, you can. You, you... You do have yeah. to maintain your your uh, your Microsoft ID to be able to log into your Xbox. I actually dusted mine off a couple months ago because we were showing some stuff off, and uh, I had changed my password on my Microsoft account, <laughs> and I was trying to log back in and discovered that in order to play my game, I would have to log back into my account on the Xbox 360 and discovered I could not put my password in because it was too long for the, the field on the Xbox. <laughs> so, so I, I saved the day, though. I, yeah. I was able to swoop in, and then uh, we were able to get the game going on uh, 
uh, with, through my account because I had the game, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we we showed it off. We brought a tournament to Brew Game Plus. I think it was uh, Brew Game Plus 4, which was uh, last fall in uh, Vista, California. And we um, we we set up a, a tournum uh, in the Xbox, and we had it all all going. And um, uh, it was really neat. Uh, uh, a, a dude came and you know just sat down and you know played the game for a while. Next thing I know, he apparently he beat it, and I was like, no way! <laughs> like Brooks had to like, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, final boss took him a few tries, but he got through it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was that was wonderful. Like just a this dude, I'd, I'd, I'd never met him before. And he just, he's a, uh, yeah, he was the saxophone player player in one of the bands. Yeah. 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 So now little, on my little Xbox, did you know, he's Joe. a pro at the game and he's beaten it multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> right. Well, I can, I can say by the way, um, because I know, I know we have gotten uh, play testing feedback. I would say both on a and street cleaner that they're both old school, difficult. Um, but they are very beatable. Um, I stream on Twitch, and I, uh, you know, as the small community goes, I had a uh, essentially who's now a friend of mine, um, basically uh, be introduced to the games, download them, and finished both the tournament and street cleaner in one sitting. Um, so they are they are totally doable. <laughs> Yeah, I do. yeah, you gotta um, love the classic hard games. I mean, you guys—you're uh, so right. Like playing Street Cleaner, it feels like you're playing like an old NES, Super Nintendo vibe game. Where like you can get in, the first couple levels are easy, and then you're like, "Damn, okay, I gotta like, I gotta lock it in." <laughs> yeah, Ho hopefully yeah, I'm falling down the sewer trap. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully by the time you get to the second stage boss, you then 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 you feel the heat. You know, like, oh, okay, wait, I'm I'm dying now. But there's no penalty for failure, and and even the worst spot in the game to die is doesn't set you back that far. It's it's you know there's there's uh you know it's we we don't we didn't ninja guiding it to where uh, you know when you die you have to start at that stage all over again you know kind of thing or if you need to continue you have to go back to the that beginning of that act or anything. So um, you know and 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 so it does have that NES level of difficulty to it, but. Because there's no, you know, penalty for failure, you know, you can, you die, you just d jump right back in where you were and, you, you know, but now you have full health and full bullets, you know, kind of thing. Um, and I'm actually watching streamers early on um, when, when there was a little bit of a race to get the, uh, the speed run record, uh, watching people jump in and, and like intentionally die in certain spots just so that they could respawn with more health, you know, and <laughs> I thought that was really uh, something that I had never thought of. The quick reload. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's a lot of the stuff that I had uh, to ask you guys. Um, I guess you guys can shout out like social medias uh, where they can find you, where people can follow your journey. And uh, if there's any other news you feel like uh, laying out there for the people, you can let them know. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, Street-cleaner.com. Um, I, I have a music project called Street Cleaner. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm going on tour, uh, USA tour. I'm hitting 20 something cities, uh, starting in about three months from now. And, uh, uh, May 12th is the first show. Uh, and then, uh, June 18th is the last and doing a big 
loop throughout there. I, I would love, we built a street cleaner, the video game arcade cabinet. I would love to bring that with me, but logistically that's not happening. Uh, but uh, you should at least bring it to Minneapolis. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll just pack it up. I'll ship it over. I'll send it to your address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's where you'll, will you're, you'll find me specifically, but uh, more importantly, you know, um, uh, we're, we're always on the Creaky Lanterns discord. That's where I am 24 seven. If I'm, you know, if I'm at my computer or looking at my phone, I'm usually, you know, there on the Discord. So if anybody ever wants to hop in and shoot the breeze, all three of us, we're there all the time. Brooks, what's the website? <laughs> now you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I basically, uh, the, the biggest thing I could self-promo uh, would be that I stream on Twitch, which is, I'm easy to find. It's, it's. Where's the where's my name? It's right down there. Um, Nate Graves. That's that's where I am everywhere. Uh, so hey, if you wanna play, if you wanna yeah, play a lot of hang RPGs. out, yeah, I, if you wanna hang out with a with a guy who plays a lot of like twenty plus year old games, <laughs> Fan um, Fantasy Star Four. Woo! Yeah, I just recently Racing played Lagoon. through Racing Lagoon. Actually, you know what? That is something I want to shout out. Yeah, dude, Hilltop Works. Uh, support Hilltop Works. They just recently put out a fan translation for Racing Lagoon, which is a uh, an old PlayStation uh, RPG from 1999 uh, by SquareSoft that is car racing. It's a car PG, uh, and it's friggin' excellent. Um, and he's actually working on um, translating a couple of uh, new projects. Um, when I say new projects, I mean also old PlayStation games. But... Uh, that would be that be my, I don't know. That's my big shout out. <laughs> yeah, and of course I'm Brooks. We, we're all together, Creaky Lantern Games, uh, creakylantern.com. Like Jesse said, we've got a Discord. Uh, uh, and yeah, we're working on more stuff. We've got, I've always got more projects, but uh, some people would say that we'd be stupid not to follow up Street Cleaner at this point. So that might be. <laughs> what's coming up yeah yeah um it's we we you know i i mean i don't know how much inside baseball but i mean there's always ideas and stuff and and um i i i have love and affection for for every little project that gets started but not every project you know gets follows through to fruition and stuff um i know that uh you know we were messing around with a, a spy hunter type game for a while um which was kind of like a, a a shmup in a way, but you're you're on a auto scroll road, um, uh, and then uh, we were a um, uh, 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 glory gunner. Obviously, is uh, our Harriet Fortune glory gunner is something that you know we have uh, a, a playable demo of. Uh, I mean, at least amongst us, and uh, and you know there's pictures of that and stuff. And I I'm still. I'm still, I know that eventually we're going to have something from that, but yeah. as far as like what we're working on this, this minute, um, yeah, it would be, yeah, it would, it would be not wise to do something other than a street cleaner sequel. So. <laughs> well, I, I like the little, uh, the little hint there. And, uh, if I'm quoting you correctly, it's better to just drop the project than to announce it a whole bunch. That's something that Brooks said last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll go with that one. Um, 
but yeah, I just want to say thank thank you everybody for coming on here. Um, I'm going to drop all those links down in the description so people can check you guys out. If you haven't played Street Cleaner, the video game yet, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. You should just go buy it and play it because it's super fun. And it's on like everything basically at this point. Um, so do that. And then if you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, peace.